Awesome. Okay, three, two, one. Hi, everyone. Welcome to 12 Questions. If you are somehow watching on the YouTube I've set up someday or the Patreon I've set up someday, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I am at my sponsor's house and it's lovely and it's gray and it's Long Beach. And I am very excited to speak to my co-host and uh, not partner in crime. I hate that partner in crime human human of my life friend work work partner uh friend colleague mr dave yates hi dave yates here former friend of anna valenzuela <laughs> after that uh, <laughs> awkward intro uh yeah, we're, we're, we're here we're doing it guys we're, we're trying to podcast <laughs> I'm endearing, all right? I am vulnerable and endearing, and I am exactly what the world needs. two cups of coffee needs. deep. That was the first thing she said. I'm like, great. We're getting big Anna today. We're getting, <laughs> yes. we're getting big energy Anna Valenzuela today, everybody. Yes. Two cups. So, of, well, almost in. Almost two cups in. We're getting there. Right. She's trying. So before Anna has a seizure, I'm going to read that clarity statement. And I did a little revision, folks. <laughs> I, I cut some of the fat, as you do. So here we go. Uh, welcome to 12 <laughs> Questions Podcast. We believe growth and recovery isn't just for clean and sober people. Our mission is to share our experiences with guests who do the same. We're not affiliated with AA, NA, or any other 12-step organization. 12 Questions has absolutely no opinion on the use of drugs or alcohol by anyone. We're simply two people that happen to be in recovery that want to give hope to anyone struggling. Although some of our guests may be clean and sober, some of them are not or choose not to divulge. The purpose of the podcast is to learn more about ourselves and others. We only hope that you can learn something about yourselves by listening. Oh, that's great. I don't even know what you cut out. Whatever you cut out, it that's was meant good, to go. That's how good the edit was. The edit was that's so good. good. Yeah. Yours is so funny. Were we getting long emails about the length of the clarity statement? Is that what was happening? Or is that just the blogger in your head? You check our emails. I just was rereading it today. I'm like, I can trim some of the fat on this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my heavens. Okay, so I'm very excited uh, for our guest today because she's coming to us from like 100 time zones away. Um, (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen. The, the math totally it checks does. out. <laughs> the math checks out. I can't decide if the way that one would travel to where you're at would be going backwards in time or forwards in time. I think forwards. Forwards, most, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're yeah. in the future. I enjoy this. I am in the Who future. Who are we yeah. speaking with today? <laughs> uh, my name is Liz Donahue. Uh, thank you guys for having me. Liz, Liz is uh, a fantastic human. Uh, she's very funny, and she is in uh, the Czech Republic currently. I am. I'm in a town called Brno, uh, which is the second largest city here. But I say town because it's a town. Brno Sanders? <laughs> nice. Yeah, Ber- yeah exactly. <laughs> Brno Mars. Uh... Oh, no. <laughs> It's downhill real the fast. movie the the movie burno uh all right starring sasha baron cohen <laughs> i'm the worst um i dave was telling me before this podcast started that you uh were one of the few people who were like uh America's elected a lunatic and i'm out and then you did it you didn't just tweet about it but you did it yeah i 
when he got elected in 2016, I was here less than a year later. Less than a year later. Yeah. Wow. Um, Which is probably the fastest you could do it, too. Like, honestly, when you're less than a year later, I'm like, that's pretty fast to get the fuck out and get accepted into another country. Yeah, like, I mean, they hadn't quite accepted me yet. I had to kind of, like, wait here for them to, like, be cool with it. They had to, like, check me out to make sure it was okay first. And then Mm -hmm. once I passed with flying colors and everything, they said, you can stay. You just need to make money somehow. So (laughs) that's uh, that's what we've been doing ever since. So things are good. And how is that going? (laughs) How's Um, how's life out there? It's... uh, <laughs> I've been inside for the better part of like 11 months now. Um, oh, okay. So I've been able to work from home, which is good. Um, but it's it's very much I have a cat and my apartment and my computer. And that's kind of how things are for me. Uh, so it's a lot of the same thing every day. Not that I'm complaining. Mm-hmm. Like my quarantine life didn't change like that much from my <laughs> regular life of just hiding from people. So um but I think overall, our coronavirus situation is not that great here. Uh, so I'm kind of also spending a lot of time indoors as someone who's immunocompromised. So that's kind of put a lot of the uh, like the travel and you know just kind of taking any kind of risk at this point um, is a little bit is a little bit questionable. Look at that muffin. This is an audio format podcast. I understand. This is a podcast, but holy shit. She knew shit. what was coming. Most times she likes to make wild hand gestures and exclaim <laughs> shit that the listeners cannot see. And I have to go, okay, there's a cat I mean, in, in the shot right now. The most, I mean, not just a cat, like a cat. Like that's, 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 that's no. Gossamer. Everybody knows Gossamer. Gossamer. Yeah, that's no, that's no, I found this cat under my wheel well cat. This is no, this is no uh, cat hoarder cat. This is a, this is a, a, a cover cat. This is like, <laughs> he's like a model. <laughs> he was found, he was a stray and was found at my grocery store about like a mile away from my place or so. And I still don't believe that he was astray like he he just can't be like I don't he looks it. like a Norwegian <laughs> like one of those Nor- like a fjord cat or something like he looks Jesus we're a little big up we he looks really like a friskies big. commercial oh my god and he just loves you so much there you go keep using those descriptors for the audience uh chonky uh, you know, is what cat people say he's a little chonky he's a little chonk face he's a little chonky uh, he's, he's a big kitty like I think he's only I think he's like two and a half, but he's like big for a cat. And yeah. You're, you're large is what happened. Oh my God. Yeah. He's so calm. My cat would just be like, ah, the whole time. Um, <laughs> anyway. Okay. Okay. Cat cast is over. The cat cast mm-hmm. is over. Oh my okay. God. I can't even. F- no, you can put him down. I just, <laughs> I'm ovulating. That's how cute that. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. That happened? Uh, listen. <laughs> Yeah, it's just I, a bit. I, I know I took seventh grade science, but like I didn't. Uh, oof. Yeah, it's so cute. I'm ovulating. Can't you see the dust? Um, yeah. They're saying. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my lord! Okay, so um, I'm very excited to have you. I mean, I'm excited to be here. This and is there. here and there and everywhere. Oh my gosh! Um, 
making All a right. return to the states via audio f- Zoom format. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, the first that's, qu- the, that's go, heavily go relying on that. <laughs> oh no, just that that's become the normal since my parents are also at home, not working right now. So we just have all the time in the world to just kind of hang out and not really do anything together, which is kind of nice. But uh, hell yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's probably all, the safest way to be here right now. <laughs> like it is. I wasn't um, initially. I was going to come home in November and like that didn't happen <laughs> like that couldn't happen <laughs> yeah like it it wasn't a thing where i wouldn't be allowed back in the united states it would be a thing where if i had gone to the united states the czech republic wouldn't let me back in because mm-hmm. i had been in the u.s Whoa. <laughs> so, <laughs> so couldn't go home still can't go home but hopefully the vaccine thing is not going well here and, it's not going well here either <laughs> Oh, I got a. I got a eat it. <laughs> yeah, I got a fun story about the vaccine. Uh, so every once in a while, I'll have like one friend over to sit in the backyard, like six feet apart, and we burn logs and shit, right? And my friend came over yesterday, and uh, he goes, "Yes, yeah, someone offered me a bootleg vaccine yesterday." I'm like, "What? A bootleg vaccine?" He's like, "Yes, yeah, someone's friend who knows a doctor said they have all these vaccines and asked if I wanted one," and I'm like. What? What? Uh, okay, I'm gonna explain that. So, um, so for some reason, <laughs> yes. okay, America, I know how America's this gonna America, guys. Listen, listen. As, yo, yo, as... I got this good, good. I got that Moderna dog. Yo, you, you want the Pfizer dog? You want the Pfizer? Yes. As a as a hustler and a grifter, I will tell you how this happens because I immediately clock this. So there are up to five to six doses per container, and you have to use them that day or they'll go bad. And so what they'll do is they'll pop the container and they'll use what they have appointments for, but there's usually an odd number. So there's like one random extra dose, in which case you can give that to a person in most hospitals have what's called an overflow line. And then so if you just like Uh wait around a doctor's office, they will have an extra vaccine. So um, that's kind of. It's kind of the it's game of like playing fish, tomorrow. It's kind of like fish Crazy. concerts. Like if you hang around the drug addicts uh, at a fish concert, sometimes there's overflow of the molly. And if you're lucky enough to be standing there, someone's like, hey, they're rolling balls. Like, you want some of this drug? And they're like, yeah, I want some of that drug. The thing is, is the world has never not stopped being drug dealer rules. It is drug dealer rules, which is why I get it. So like, for example, my sponsor, oh, I'm, I'm taking her to get her final vaccine tomorrow. It's going to knock her on her ass. She's doing chemo right now. So it's just going to make her feel really bad. So I'm going to drive her. And if they happen to have a little spare, spare, extra <laughs> hit of that, Moder- that good, good Moderna, definitely I'm going to roll up a I'm definitely going to roll up my sleeve, you know, like, because that, because again, the nurse is sent with however many doses and they're sometimes extras and they'll call their friends and family and be like, come down here and get this extra. That's so crazy. Isn't that crazy? The fact that my buddy called it a bootleg vaccine. (laughs) It's it's not, it's not really a bootleg. It's like, it's just like. When he said bootleg, I'm like, so like there's someone selling like, like low key, like other versions of this vaccine on the black market. No, no, I, no, no. I know that, but the way yeah. my fucking wook ass hippie buddy described it, it was like bootleg vaccine. I'm like, oh, so it's like a copy of like the real shit? Like, what's going on here? No, it is the medicine equivalent to licking the baggie. You know what I mean? Hey, man, I don't have enough of a bump for you, but here you can have the baggie. 
Like yeah, that. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, we can give you the bag. You want the bag? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, Dave's just shaking his head. He's just shaking his head. Um, but yeah, so um, <laughs> let's get into that first question. First question. <laughs> Get in there. <laughs> she, she, messages me, she messages me in the chat. She's like, here, you take the lead on this. And I'm like, sure, no problem. And then just, <laughs> well, then get into it. Okay. <laughs> We're having go. too much fun here. Liz, how do you experience uh, surrender? Um, I've experienced surrender as, I guess for me, it's kind of hitting a wall. Like, I can only mentally, emotionally, physically go that far until I just can't anymore. Um, And I think my journey in sobriety, I guess, kind of, like, basically started with that. Was, like, I can't do this anymore. Like, Mm -hmm. I can't go any physically further. And if I do, like, I'll definitely die. So, like, we need to turn back now before things get, like, really bad. So, I think... I don't think I experienced surrendered one particular way, but in terms of sobriety, it was getting to a point where I was tired. Like I knew that there were those, those thoughts were kind of occurring. Like, I can't do this anymore. This is ridiculous. Like this, you know, like who lets it get this bad? Like I do. <laughs> you know, So we gotta, we gotta turn this around like a little bit, you know? Um, and I think, most days, if it's something menial, like just kind of day-to-day stuff, I, I wouldn't m- maybe go so far as to call it surrender, but there are definitely times where I just kind of admit defeat. Like, I can't go. I can't change any of this anymore. I can't, you know, as much as I want to, I'm kind of stuck. <laughs> sure. Um, so in terms of a sobriety thing, for sure, like it was definitely, if there was a moment where I surrendered, it was definitely that. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many colloquial phrases thrown around in recovery circles, like surrender to win, you know, and I, I mean, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I love and I hate the colloquial phrases, but that's, that's, you know, once, once you get tired of fighting against something like, like truly just like, I can't do this anymore. That, that is a yeah. point which some people never get there, you know? So like that is for right. me, I've, I was very lucky to have reached that point. And then that mm-hmm. window of opportunity to try living differently was there because some people have that and then that opportunity passes and they're like, ah, fuck it. And they might never get it again. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it's interesting about the colloquialisms that you mentioned too. Cause like one of the ones I remember one of the first kind of phrases I heard in early sobriety was like, well, you spent a lot of time in the woods like, how much time do you think you're going to spend trying to get out? Mm. And for whatever reason, that really resonated with me of like, you know, I got I put in X amount of years of like hard drinking. So I think the same, if not more, will be spent trying to like make things the way that I want them to be or not that I want them to be, but just a more healthy and happy environment in which sure. that I can live my life and no longer harm myself or those around me. Sure. Yeah. The one I always got was, uh, I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. And like, yeah, that feeling of like, oh, and what's, what's <laughs> beautiful about that is you think you're only going to have it once, right? You get clean and then you're just like, 
that was it. I'm done with that feeling. And then, you know, a job, a relationship, a friendship, an obsession of some sort, um, a binge watch, something sneaks up on you and you're in it again. And it's like, oh, yeah. That's that like that, that obsession and madness can like take back over just immediately. That's yeah. Like, that's one hundred percent with cigarettes for me. Sometimes, like I'll go, I'll go oh, like yeah. a year and not buy a pack, and then some shit will come down the pipe, and I'm just like, it's not like I want to drink or do drugs, but I'm just like, I'm buying a pack of cigarettes because they work. <laughs> it's not yeah, I mean, yeah. me immediately. That's how I started vaping. I started doing stand up at like twelve yeah, years, and I was too. like, so hey, it's a vape cat. <laughs> Yeah, cue cue the. So anyway, tossing clouds. Hey, I'm sure for somebody. You got chunky cats. I got chunky clouds, bro. Hey, girl. I'm sure for somebody that is some ASMR shit. Like, there's one person that hears me sneaky vape every once in a while, and they come. I'm serious. Like one person. It has to happen. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, out there. You'll never know, but Patreon it's it's happening. Started quick. <laughs> hey, she just blows vape clouds on her feet. Um, uh, yeah, only Patreon. Only Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know, and that speaks to like that insanity, right? Like uh-huh. the insanity of it all. What's been like the most insane moment, either in or out of recovery, for you? I would probably say, I think like the most like physically and emotionally taxing thing I did go through was surrendering, I think. It was that kind of whole day for me of basically just admitting I needed help because that was something I had never really done. So in terms of reaching out and then feeling really ashamed for reaching out was Mm -hmm. something I had never experienced before. Like, and it wasn't just help, like, you know, oh, hey, could you help me handle this? Like into the, you know, or whatever. It wasn't, it was so much more detrimental than that. And I think that there's, there was just this moment, again, with surrendering of, I just knew I couldn't do it anymore. Like like you said, like I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I called my mom. I was actually in the ER when this happened. And like long story short, I got assaulted when I was blacked out. And I mm-hmm. came to and I was like covered in blood. <laughs> and mm-hmm. both of my, I had uh, like two black eyes. Like my, I had a cut somewhere on my scalp. So I had like blood matted in my hair and like I was kicked in my back and my chest. And like, I was a wreck. Like I was not, not in a good place. And I think it was that point where the guy I was seeing at the time said, hey, make sure you message uh, or um, take pictures of yourself so you can document your injuries in case you do get to a point where you want to press charges later. But... I was so wrapped up with trying to make myself okay that that option had never really even occurred to me. Like, my my focus at that point was I need to take care of me now. Like, right. you know, fuck everybody else. Like, I just need to get my shit together. Yeah. So it was kind of that moment of, like, a span of a couple hours of, like, surrendering, admitting I needed help, and then starting to take the steps to, you know, 
kind of, I guess, search for like a facility essentially, like where I could go, like to, you know, what was under my health insurance, where I needed to, there, if what was available in Minnesota at that time. Um, and I think that the span of that maybe first 36 hours was like really, was really crazy, I think. Um, I don't think I've experienced anything like that since then. Um, and that was almost uh, six years ago, this coming Sunday. So um, it was it was kind of crazy. Did you know your assailant? <laughs> Did you know who assaulted you or? Um, she was a friend's roommate who I hadn't actually met before. Um, and we had been heavily drinking for most of the evening. And uh, her roommate came home and decided like she really didn't care for my presence there for whatever reason. And she was giving me these weird looks. And I remember because I can't keep my mouth shut when I've been drinking. Ha, me I too. Ended up asking me her, too. Like, <laughs> I ended up asking her like, can I help you with something? But like, what I meant to say was like, you're looking at me weird. Do you recognize me from somewhere? Like I've done stand up. Like, is this something that just isn't sitting right, right now? And I thought maybe I had not recognized her from somewhere. And then she lunged at me. And at the time I was sitting on the floor. So I basically like went to cover myself oh, like, shit. just to get out of the way. She bit my hand. So I had to like get a fucking tetanus shot. Yeah. And like, <laughs> I was, I was not looking super great when I was in the ER. And of course they assumed a guy had beat me up. It was Valentine's day <laughs> and I was the only one in the ER and I kept having nurses come up to me being like, are you okay to go home? And I'm like, yes, a girl beat me up. I just want to go home because <laughs> they thought it was a domestic for me coming in and being all fucked up, you know? Did, did you so, press charges? A- every straight white dude no. listening to the podcast right now is like, phew, it's not us for once. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will admit, I was just like, who is he? Who is no, he? I saw it in Anna's face. Like, what dude do I have to murder? Do I have to drive him. up the coast? Because, I, I mean, I was, I was a fighter. I was the fighter. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I would run my mouth, but I could, I could, I could throw hands. So, like, it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't, like, a concern for me, right? Like, I uh-huh. never, but anything can happen. And, and it, it sounds like this woman was very violent and maybe had some mental health issues because that's yeah that's a level of brutality that biting i get hair pulling i get but the kicking and the and that and women can be very brutal when they're fighting absolutely like we used to say when we teach self-defense you're more likely to get hurt breaking up a fight with two women than you are with men <laughs> with men eventually oh, though shit. yeah because women because women are crazy like what <laughs> like and men you- think they can fight like that's the thing so like men <laughs> have this image in their brains of what a like a street fight looks like and it's yes. usually like put up your dukes kick your boots like it's not like yes. why i oughta well yes. yeah and like the, yeah. the, I guess the positive consequence of toxic masculinity in this moment, like we were never raised up to be like pulling hair off the table, kicking balls. You better not. Like so, it's just like. But I feel like with women, there there was never any no rules because women's were n- like not supposed to fight. And, you know, and, if you, I, and, and I'm yeah. saying this is just in terms of I'm, I'm speaking in generalities, but like coming up, like that you were taught just dog shit sure. logic. Yeah, sure, sure. It doesn't make any sense. Like, protect yourself. Yeah, anyway. But also, it's never talked about because no one talks about it. Like, there are no rules. (laughs) 
So oh, like, yeah. what rules would you talk about, you know? And I think that's kind of where this ended up happening, because the, the girl who did this to me, she was super wasted, too. She had no memory of this in the morning at all. And initially, I think she woke up and kind of freaked out and wanted to pin the whole thing on me. But she didn't have, <sighs> she didn't have a scratch on her. Like, there was no way that I inflicted that kind of, like, bodily harm on her when I was the one that was like, yeah, like, so they're going to do an MRI to make sure my eye socket's not cracked. <laughs> were <laughs> like, her knuckles, the- were her nu- were her hands, because that's what we used to call them is um, hand bites, is like, yeah. oftentimes somebody will out themselves as an assailant in an ER because they um, their hands will swell up because there's yeah. so much germs. she had germs. swollen hands. Yeah. 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 So it's like, like her hands were swollen, but like outwardly, I like physically, I looked way worse than she did. Damn, she basically girl. looked hungover with swollen hands. And then it, <laughs> it turned out that when I was in rehab, like a couple weeks later, she had the same thing happen to somebody else where she came home and was like, well, I guess people just like to beat me up or whatever. And she immediately got evicted. Like, my friend at that time who owned this whole property was like, no. Like, you have a tendency to do this to people, and that's been clear. So you need to not live here anymore. I am so So. sorry that happened to you. That is, that's really traumatizing. That's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, like, I mean, I feel like there's, I feel like if I wasn't at the point of surrender, I definitely would have pressed charges. Like, just to, like... Just to make a point, even to be like, this isn't about me. This is about you. <laughs> you <know>? Right. <laughs> like, right. I definitely would have flipped it on someone to, to like draw the attention away from me because I was doing what I could to get away with drinking. Whereas, like point. me with some recovery, I would I would press charges because I see that person is very sick. Because when you described mm-hmm. it, I was like, oh, this is pathology. Because you don't you don't just yeah. a woman just doesn't snap like that. Like that's. That, that's no. crazy with so, eye like, contact out of everything you know oh, I like know. it was like <laughs> you're sorry like i'm sorry <laughs> girl i go to rough meetings i know that bitch i know that woman who's just like yeah. why are you looking at me Anna goes, <laughs> like, Anna goes to meetings where she hears what you looking at holmes a whole all bunch. the time <laughs> all the time i like oh my a- god I like a dangerous meeting, baby. <laughs> but that's, that's got to affect how you make decisions, right? Like, I mean, or the decision to get sober that had to affect it. Like, so Liz, how do you make decisions today? Um, I'm a very methodical decision maker. Okay. I think, for instance, my my decision to move here was very much based like research based i was doing a ton of reading like looking up expat blogs you know people from the united states who moved somewhere else you know just to kind of do that because i wanted to make sure you know i had this idea one day of like oh i should just move (laughs) not realizing like oh i i can do that you know so after putting in the time and you know, to make an informed, like, rational decision at that point. Like, my parents at the time were like, you know, isn't that, isn't that a little drastic? I'm like, have you seen the fucking guy in office right now? No, I'm going to go. <laughs> like, yeah. like, between everybody here, I'm going to get out. Um, and I think now it's kind of a similar process. Like, I need to be really diligent with things like, like my job and immigration and things like that to just so I have good standing here. Um, but aside from 
honestly, coronavirus has solved a lot of my, <laughs> a lot of decision making in the last year of like, well, I would, but I'm not. <laughs> so it's not even a second thought for me a lot of the time of just, you know, that's something I can't do. And um, I think there are times when, like, there are times where I'll stress out due to, due to bureaucratic stuff that comes up with the government here and because it's um I don't want to say prehistoric but it's it definitely could use some improvements (laughs) (laughs) one drawback of coming here yeah um and I think today just day-to-day decisions now aren't you know don't require the effort of like really yeah you know racking my brain for stuff I'm not really caught between a rock and a hard place of like it's either this or it's this you know like I rarely find myself in those situations anymore um mostly because also I've been very selective about who I've communicated with in the last year and about like who I've kind of chosen or with other people chosen me to like interact in a relationship or a friendship somehow um and that's made it a lot easier to not have to boil down and and figure something out from there. Like, it basically just means less work for me. Sure. So, yeah. <laughs> like, the less decisions I have to make. So I took, kind of took the easy way out. But that's kind yeah. of where I'm at for day-to-day now, for sure. And I think that's that's so important, like, later on in the years. Like, I remember when I first got sober like i i was like i was relying on a lot of people to help make my decisions because i couldn't i was just so unsure of myself and then uh-huh. a lot of the things you get taught in and sometimes in 12 step recovery is like you cannot trust your own decision making right now and i don't think it's that big no big decisions yeah, yeah 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 i mean i'm super grateful that some of those decisions were like don't quit smoking cigarettes their first year or two, you know, or, hey, maybe right. don't fuck people in the rooms for your first year or so. Like, I'm like, all right, those suck. I'm like, I, I get, I can see that. And well, and then I got lucky because I saw people not doing those things. And I was like, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be the dude with 30 days proposing to the woman with 60 days in the middle of the meeting. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I've seen it all. I've seen it all. But Anna, you were saying something That's I didn't crazy. mean to interrupt. No, I was just I was really loving what you said. I actually think that that is something that uh in all fellowships we really do need to impart that when we say that you have stinking thinking and to run your, you know, run your decisions by others, that does eventually change. You do develop the skills to know in your heart what a decision is and and it comes for me with the realization that like there really are no mistakes there's decisions Uh and there are um there are responses to those decisions and that's it um yeah and and once we get out of that black and white either or i loved what you said about that and it's um my sponsors always encouraging me like what does your gut say what does your gut Uh say take a moment listen yeah. to your gut and that comes with those um with those uh uh promises that you know get talked about um is that that ability to um that ability to kind of intuitively know a thing but that that's where it's one of those things where it's like time doesn't equal recovery but it doesn't work it doesn't hurt 
that intuition uh-huh. has to grow over time and has to be trusted over experience that it's yeah, like that's like new you making those decisions like mm-hmm. that's you in your capable like free thinking brain having that capability for the first time exactly. <laughs> and then like i can weigh options what like this is crazy you know like there's more than one way this could go and i should be prepared for anything despite the choice that i end up making in the end like it's just so all yeah yeah like drug yeah. decision making was the easiest thing because it you know repercussions at that point it didn't matter like there was always something else to like pin it on, you know, but sure. now it felt good to like take responsibility for those decisions to be like, I can stand behind this and I'm glad yes. I did it. And I, I'm making decisions for my sobriety, which I ended up doing. And I guess I was like four or five months sober at that point where I got sober in Minneapolis and then moved back to Seattle where I'm from originally. And I had a lot of people coming to me being like, you know, this is a really big deal. Are you sure you should do this? And I ended up realizing like, yeah, like if I, if I stay in Minnesota, I, I will relapse. And I knew that inside. Yeah. This is not going to end well. And I don't see this being a, a situation that can turn into a positive based on who I was surrounding myself with at that point. And, was like, all right, I'm going to do that, but I need, I'm doing this for me, like for my sobriety. And I don't think if I had done that, I'm not, I mean, who knows where I would have ended up if I had stayed in Minnesota, but um, moving to Seattle was one of the things that I think kind of built upon my like dedication to stay sober. Yeah. For sure. Cause I had made that huge choice. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I well, love and that. I feel like in the most simple terms for anybody listening, who's got no affiliation with any 12 step, work it's just like i for me i spent so long blotting out my consciousness anytime that internal voice was trying to tell me shit i was like you get booze now so that like after yeah. three or four months <laughs> where that voice is like hey we're, we're still here and you, you, you do kind of know r- right from wrong and uh if you if you want to use us now we're 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 here please don't hit us again you know and it's yeah. just like that's that's honestly like once you get your conscious back like i, I mean for yeah. me i did after a certain yeah. amount of time so I, I still ran things by my sponsor and i still do you know because I, I, mm-hmm. I trust people but like i have a conscience today and that's what happens when you stop bombarding yourself with fucking poison and there is a, yeah. a deeper layer a lot of us bombard ourselves with poison i know that that was very much my experience as well however my um my true north, my internal con- conscious, my internal compass was turned off by trauma in my childhood. So mm-hmm. that's another way that that is um, you can you can lose that for yourself because the thing about abuse and trauma is similar to the gal who beat your ass. She was, you know, they try to convince you it's your fault and they try to convince you that you yeah. did it. You know, you started yeah. this and you're like, you're an abuser. Like, like you, you know, and so, you look, if you wouldn't have been using okay. eyeballs at me, yes. we wouldn't be in this mess. Yes. And so oh, for man. a lot of, especially women in the rooms or out of the rooms, anybody dealing with trauma recovery, if you're listening to this, that's another thing that gets kind of turned off is because the, the abusers have to tell you, the neglectors, the abusers have to tell you that you did it. And it takes, I to this day have to actively deal with the part of my brain that's like, this is your fault. 
And it's like, no, bitch, yeah. it's not. That's you have fifty percent, not the whole enchilada, mama. Like, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, but I I got there eventually by knowing a little bit more about who I am. So my question to you is, what is the most interesting thing you've learned about yourself in your journey? Oh boy. Or surprising. Or surprising, interesting, surprising, you know. I've learned, <laughs> this is just the first thing that came to my mind, but I learned that if I don't fight it, I have a lot of patience. Yeah. And I've always been kind of like short-tempered or like, let's go, you know, like, like just mm-hmm. needing things to like pick up the pace. And I think that there's times where I can kind of turn that off and just let whatever it is happen to me because I know that there isn't anything I can control at this point to do that. So I kind of go into this, I don't know, it's like a Zen-like state of like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) And I never used to be like that when I was drinking because I used to be like, I'm in charge and I'm going to do whatever I can. I'm going to do whatever it is within my power and my energy to make this so that it's going to go my way. And so weird. There's so many things that just don't work like that. No, Um, yeah. It just, (laughs) and, and it took, you know, it took a lot to get to realizing that point. But I'll even catch myself being in that state sometimes of, oh, yeah, you can't do anything right now. You're helpless, but that's okay. <laughs> and then just, not, but not fighting it actively. Yes. Like, just knowing, like, this will pass, but right now <clears throat> we can't really do anything. <laughs> it's traffic, baby. It's traffic on the 405. <laughs> it's like, well, we're all doing, I call, I call traffic in Los Angeles the great equalizer. Because you could be, you could be a gajillionaire. All right. You could be a gajillionaire. And the truth is, you you just sitting on the freeway with the rest of us. You know, you just sitting on the freeway next to my O2 Prius missing a mirror, you know, with one headlight. That's that is what that is what you're sitting next to. And and I love the I love the egalitarian sort of the the democracy of. I love it. I love it. I love it. It, it really brings me joy. Uh, the Unless other thing you're that, on a crotch rocket, then you just split the lanes like a goddamn maniac. Yeah. Then you, yeah. Then you just yeah. like. Oh, my favorite thing is I I do a little side hustle work as a tour guide, and when I'll have somebody from the Midwest in the in the van, and all of a sudden you'll hear, "Oh my god, <laughs> can you do that? Oh, oh no, oh no, can you oh, can you do? Oh, is he gonna be safe? Um, it's very funny." <laughs> it really cracks me up it really cracks me up. i'm like that's legal here so like, oh how many people get hurt i'm like all the time uh all the time, <laughs> all the time. open a door let's see what happens um but uh yeah my i uh, that also reminded me of i have a grandmother who is um very mentally ill uh she is uh probably an alcoholic and shout out uh, to mentally ill grandma hey shout out grandma uh she's she's got real lucille bluth energy like she's a real she's a real fun time at the movies and uh, she's also a therapist and uh one time we were we walked into a coffee shop a local coffee shop she was like i want a latte and i was like all right so we get out of the car and we walk into the coffee shop and there is one person in front of her 
And she just says, I don't have time for this. And she just walks out. And every time I think of patience, I think I was like, Grandma. She just walked. Like her expectation was that any business she walked into would have her latte ready. And that that is, I think, the addict level of patience that we usually see in the world is just like, no. The immediate gratification of like, I can get it and I want this done now and if it's not there's gonna be serious problems <laughs> stemming from me no everyone else is fine N- everyone else will have no idea this is even happening <laughs> at the time <laughs> yes but i'm gonna be the one losing it for sure yes absolutely absolutely oh my gosh what a joy liz you're a joy <laughs> oh my you. gosh <laughs> um i only book people that i think will make friends with anna so it's very That's true. How, how the bookings go. We're going to have to schedule a girls weekend for literally all the women. I've been like, are we best friends now? Um, this podcast just like, Perfect. oh my God. <laughs> Start a women's meeting. Dave's bitch is anonymous. Um, <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Wait Dave a minute. can use this as a credit. <laughs> yeah, I, I, could, yeah the, I bring women together. <laughs> Yeah, that's the that's the comedy credit that uh, a straight cisgendered man needs right now. Exactly. I bring women yes. together. Yes, he is the nexium of comedy. For anything weird. And they can leave whenever they want. No branding. No. I don't try to show them my feet. Like it's it's completely. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. Well, you know what I, I I really enjoy about you is that you do seem to have a very um, high level of honesty both with yourself and others Mm -hmm. like how like what like what would you say or where would you say your honesty is at today um on like a scale of like one to five sure people love a scale i'm always like however you want to describe it and they'll be like seven i'm like sure very interesting that you said five usually the scale goes one to ten but you're very concise yes I do. I like to cut out, I like to cut the fat, if that's... I feel you. If I can do I that. I like it too. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to say like a strong four, because yeah. I think I will, I will absolutely be honest, and on, on stage also as well like I can't not think I not I can't not say stuff like yeah. and it's not like a Kramer level of bad but like it's, just, <laughs> I, it's not a stream of consciousness <laughs> where it's like that like there needs to be an episode made out of it you know <laughs> but like I think that's like I was very honest with myself today I think about like the choices I made where it was like, okay, well, maybe we don't need to have a smoothie for every meal today. Maybe we can just do that twice a day (laughs) and kind of like taking down like, okay, cool, you know, and taking a note down and just kind of going forward with that. Like I'm usually, especially now in sobriety, I'm the first one to admit if I've fucked up, if my self-awareness is usually pretty, pretty high that I'm, I can read a room to a point where I don't want to impact the severity of it anymore. I just want to acknowledge that it's there and then kind of step out. Sure. Um, but I think I, for sure, sobriety has made me a stronger person in the end. Like it's made yeah. me more honest with myself, 
Like, uh, I think, I mean, I've done two fourth steps and I think that was it. I don't, I'm not going to say it was hard, but it was not, I had never had all of that information like very concise and written in front of me before. And it was like, yeah. oh, there it is. <laughs> like, because for a while it, it was just floating around in the ether of me trying to get my shit together. Sure. You know, like it just wasn't, there was no cohesiveness to it at all. Yeah. Um, and I think doing the fourth step made it so that I can be honest and I don't have to like it. I don't have to be okay with any of the decisions I've made, but it's there and I, I need to acknowledge it to like go forward because if not, that's going to be stagnating and it's going to be weird. And I I don't feel like I would have committed to the process overall as a whole. And that's what people don't realize too, is like, <clears throat> Flam. my experience, I know. Um, I'm very <laughs> sexy sounding. Um, I, uh, you, the first personal inventory is that, and that's what we're talking about is the first step is that you make a personal moral inventory of your, the mm-hmm. exact nature of your run or whatever. And Basically um, write down all the shit that's rolling yeah. around in your brain. <laughs> write it all down. That's what it is. Write it down. Write down your, write down your funk, write down your trauma, write down your sads, write down your justified resentments, write down your unjustified resentments. You know, like you write the whole thing oh, down. Yeah. And the first one is sort of like, if it, the first one is like, like getting your teeth clean for the first time in 10 years, like all kind of shit just comes off and you don't quit. You're just trying to stop the gums from bleeding. That's really it is you're just trying to stop that. And the second one is the one that sneaks up on you because that one is when you're like, Oh, I haven't used in a while. And, uh, I've got work to do. (laughs) (laughs) And let me tell you the third and the fourth one, it's even weirder where you're like, I don't, I didn't know that the trauma ran this deep. I didn't know. And it gets into these weird ethical questions, not ethical, but like, is this, um, is this just going to be a part of who I am? Or is this going to be a defect that can still be can still be worked on? You know, is yeah. this is this a button that exists because it should because I'm a human, or is you know is this a thing that um, is this a thing that needs to be like taken out? You know, yeah. And uh, it's it's wild. It's absolutely wild. And I I love that. Like honesty is uh, you know. I think four is good. Four yeah, is I good. love taking the yeah. trash out. I tell people like, look, if you don't want to fucks with any of the anonymous <laughs> fellowships, like at least like do four and five. Like at least like look at four and five, yeah. write down all your garbage, and then tell another person all your garbage that you trust. You know, and that I mean, yeah, I'm not gonna say it's life changing, but yeah. it definitely it definitely cleans out a lot of the cobwebs. You know, and then for me, like, oh, my, for sure. My second round of inventory, because I had just surrounded myself with all people in recovery, was at, like, at, like my second four step was just everybody in recovery, like all the people, all the people I <laughs> yeah, met. That's a lot. So there was a lot of first names and initials, just like fucking just going ham on the program. The nice, and, 
the nice thing about starting stand-up, Dave, was for the first time in a long time, my fourth step is not 75% people in the program. <laughs> it's oh now God. 75% people in entertainment. <laughs> I was like, yo, That's crazy. So crazy. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I thought I had seen some shit in an area service meeting. Y'all are fucking nuts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it was crazy, I think, because the after the first step, the first or after the the first time I had done the fourth step, Jesus. Um, for me it was like I got horrendously depressed sure. after. Because it was like something that was like looking back at me finally, which I had never had to do. It was Mm -hmm. always just up here swimming around and I didn't have to deal with it. And now it kind of became its own entity of like, this is like the poorest example ever. But remember Juno in the movie? She had the chair. Yeah. Like, yeah, I had a chair like that, that like that feeling of like, well, it's in the room. Got to address it now. It's it's actually for real, you know? Yeah. And I think that was kind of the, I just, I just, I know. (laughs) There was a cat that walked across the screen. Anna's making a lot of uh, gyrations, uh, folks at home. He's so cute. Thank you. Thank you. Um, So I think... And again, you know, at least for, for the programs with a and the meetings I had attended, a lot of people, that's where they backed out of a yeah. like you get to the fourth step and it's like, nope, sorry, I'm not doing this. And I am not curious of what's beyond this. I don't want to know. I'm this is not what I'm ready for, you know, and I know that's where like a lot of people like start to like mm, they start to rationalize their use more mm-hmm. like and kind of like make excuses to like not go that far mm-hmm. when really that experience is not as bad as all of the times that you spent using or drinking. Sure. No, and, like, I, and I also think that people in, in recovery in 12 step recovery are guilty of making it scarier than it needs to be. Like the whole like addict, yeah. like if you don't do a step. fourth, you'll drink a fifth. <laughs> uh, for, uh. Oh God. I haven't heard that in <laughs> oh. 20 years. <laughs> I, I mean, like I, I've been I've been sober almost nine years now doing twelve step stuff, and it's just like in the beginning, like you're just so new to everything that you just like you're a sponge, so you you absorb all this shit. Yeah, a lot yeah. Of it, a lot of it doesn't serve you, but you're like you're so ready to, for the way you've been living to be over that you're just like, oh yeah, I guess like if I don't do this, I'll go drink. And what I found was it's man, if you drink by not doing a four step. That's the easy. That's easy. It's running into someone who's 20 years in the game who's never done a four-step or someone who left some shit (laughs) off of that list and they're carrying that around being a dry bag of fucking leaves for 25 years. And that, to me, like I always maintained, like I don't think alcohol is going to kill me quickly. If I drink again, Uh I think I'm going to be that miserable fuck with no friends or family that has to drink vodka brand vodka sitting on my porch being miserable as shit. Like, and that the long death to me is a lot scarier than the quick death. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, Oh my God. There's so much there. There's so much there. I love. Well, it's a lot of anxiety. It's an, it's anxiety inducing, you know, when you're about to do it or when you look back on it, you know? Um, Yeah. 
And Liz, how do you experience anxiety today? Besides petting Gossamer. With <laughs> <laughs> just like a cat butt in my face. Yeah, so great. Um, I'm learning. I think... Um, I guess it kind of depends on the anxiety. Whether or not there's X amount of things attached to that anxiety. Like how... Like, how long will this go on for kind of a thing? Like, is this like a, you know, like weeks long, no end in sight, you know, kind of thing. But then there's also the anxiety with like day to day. I'm like, oh, I don't know how to end this project on work, you know, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it could just be really easy. Um, I think a lot of times I will immediately reach out to people, if anything, because in the past just kind of sitting and stewing by myself has not helped me or anybody. And I don't know about you guys, but like I've become closer with friends that I haven't seen, you know, p- pandemic yeah, and whatever. Absolutely. But over time, like yeah. I've become closer with like a lot of friends back home, friends over here that I've met, you know, to, cause we're all on the same page and kind of constantly talking to each other about, you know, what the fuck's going on over yeah. here. Um, but I think it was mostly the idea of reaching out and not even saying I'm having anxiety. It's more like, hey, I'm not doing so hot right now. Right. And that could mean, you know, any number of things, of course. Um, but there's, I think, times where I'm better at doing that than others. Like, I'm in the seasonal depression group which I'm pretty sure is just depression now. Because they're so inside all the time. I haven't gone anywhere. There's no seasons. <laughs> like, I have, the only lights I have in my apartment are skylights. And there was a point back in December where it was like 2.30 in the afternoon. It was dark. And my windows faced the sky. <laughs> I was like, come on. Like, for like, oh, just no. give me a break for like a long time. So it's getting better. But there's definitely points now where I'm more than likely able to reach out in terms of anxiety. Like if there's, if there's little shit that's bothering me, like it's just kind of, it's not anxiety, but it kind of just irks me the wrong way. Like I'll get annoyed for sure, (laughs) but I'm not sure if it's something, I'm not sure if it's anxiety related, but I definitely know I'm handling myself better now having a, I mean, experience, I mean, I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's so much anxiety. Well, <laughs> just, there's, there's, there's a lot. <laughs> yeah. There's two reasons why that question is there. Number one, um, because you know, I've, you mentioned in the last question, how, uh, you've seen people be deeply uncurious about who they are and about how they tech. Uh-huh. And that always blows my yeah. mind. I'm like, who are you? <laughs> like this yeah. Gemini Aquarius Virgo got to know, like, I got to know, I got to yeah. categorize it. I got to put it in a box. Like mama needs to know. And so like I, when I, I have a, my partner, for example, God bless his heart is um, not a hundred percent curious about himself. Like in a way that like it, it, it shocks me. And I think a lot of times, you know, Dave, hit the nail on the head is the thing that blocks people from the curiosity of how they tick and who they are is usually a fear of not wanting to see what they see and anxiety around what they might see. And then the flip side of that is that fear 
often drives our character defects are that yeah. fear you know there's that you know speaking of idioms in the program there's that saying that every character defect i have is just really fear in disguise it's just fear mm-hmm. in a different coat you know what i mean a different outfit you know she's just yeah she she, she wears black on wednesday you know what i mean like that's yeah. just <laughs> she you know she's just got different things going on and so um when i look at my defects when i look at the things that it's time to chip away at and change um i usually find a a core that is fear and and i think that's Mm -hmm. like i'm working a six step right now and my sponsor is having me specifically write down my fears and whether or not they're valid and whether or not they serve me and i've never Mm -hmm. done a six step like this and it's uncomfortable i don't care yeah. for it but it does cut out the middleman <laughs> of calling it some shit other shit you know people pleasing is just fear of a lack of acceptance you know um mm-hmm. codependency is a fear of being alone um anger is a fear of n- being hurt and not being heard you know like um yeah impatience uh a, a, a procrastination is a fear of being accountable and a fear of a fear of not being able to meet uh expectations of perfection Right. And mm-hmm. so, um, so that, that's why that question about fear and anxiety is there. Cause it's really just such an engine in, um, in the thing that makes my brain both a, you know, a horror show, but also like fun, you know what I mean? It's like funhouse mirrors in there. Right. So yeah. what, what is your, what is one thing like a defect like a uh, mm-hmm. we would call it defects of care but like what's one aspect of yourself or your life that you're still working on today and that maybe you have a hard time letting go of which is a good question <laughs> um i think that there's still like some like trauma related baggage that comes up on occasion that kind of resurfaces when it needs to but i'm not sure i mean i think defects of character it used to be i mean some of the ones in the past i've had like i always need to have the last word like if i'm like in it with somebody i always need to like like have it in and i need to be the one to be like dropping the mic and leaving girl I was um, I was having an argument with somebody in my dreams <laughs> last night. I kid you not. There were two things that happened. I had the weirdest dream. I had a dream that I made a lot of money in the stock market. And I had a dream that I had a fight with somebody. And I don't know who that person was. But at one point, I just looked at him and I said, do you need the last word? Okay. And then I would wait and go, last word. And then they would be like, ah! And I'd be like, last word. And I was doing that because that's, 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 I will get, I will get under a motherfucker's skin. I am crazy. I mean, <laughs> stock market part. I mean, like, you sure you weren't awake when this shit happened? Ah! That's true. That's true. That's how the stock market part reminds me that that was a dream. Uh- <laughs> I put so much money in Dogecoin and I became a millionaire in my dream. I'm trying to, I'm trying to put some money in Dogecoin. I'm not lying. Um, much, but- wow. Such investing. Meh. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so, um, listen, I know a lot of people that like scratchers, right? 
Let me let me yeah. have my crypto scratchers. That's Why all it is. Why are you scratching yourself <laughs> while you say scratchers? Like she's scratchers. like, ladies and gentlemen at home, anybody. I gotta, like, she's I, going, this is, people like scratchers and she's scratching gotta, across her touch, chest. Like I got to touch my titties. That's how that's how excited <laughs> I am about this. I got to I got to touch my titties. Um, no, I do this thing. Um, I don't know where it came from, but it's a thing. I don't know if I try to ground myself. I have no idea, but I touch my chest a lot anyway uh weird thing so if, if i'm ever talking to you i'm i'm just for a second just being like get back in here bitch you're having too much fun yeah. uh, come, back. come back but yeah uh i love a last word i love a last word and i love identifying the people around me who lo- who want the last word i'm like <laughs> i know and also because it's satisfying as fuck like sure. just to like know that like this stopped here and I made it stop here. <laughs> yes. And I can do, go do whatever it is that I was prevented from doing. Now that I've had that last word, I can go, all right, I'm good. <laughs> and I can go continue on with that. Like yes. that used to be something for sure. Like I, I'm a fairly argumentative person. If the, if I'm met, I guess with like an equal, like hard-headedness about it like I'm it's kind of the whole thing with arguing on Facebook (laughs) whatever because you're not gonna change I mean you're not gonna change anybody's mind by the end of the day (laughs) Dave it's your cue (laughs) I I typically don't but like of as of recently I have been and I'm catching myself because it's just like what it's it's escapism yeah Oh, yeah. That's yeah, that's in terms of if I was asked this question, what am I working on currently or trying to surrender to? Is that I'm trying to escape in arguments on Facebook that I believe in, and because it's not politics, I'm giving myself a pass to do it. The two I'm taking up arms with right now is uh people who are arguing, which I guess it is political, but like people who are saying, uh, because I paid all my student loans off, you should too. Uh, 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 you should have to too. Yeah, yeah. Hard, hard, slow jerk on that one. Uh, because it it taught me work ethic and it taught me it. Ta- fuck you. And then I always yeah. go this and Shut this is up. and this is and this is my ace in the hole. I say this. I say people who want you to suffer because they suffered be the same thing as like my dad died of stage four pancreatic cancer, and if they had a cure, your dad shouldn't get to use it because my dad died and people look it's not uh, no it is it's saying because i suffered but it is though (laughs) yeah it's saying because i suffered that you should suffer and then they'll be like well i'm really sorry for your loss i'm like no 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 no. don't try to intellectualize my grief shit right now let's let's get back to the fucking thing (laughs) at hand i was i I was arguing with a flight attendant crazy i was arguing with a flight attendant the other day and she's like well i work two jobs so that my kids you know won't have student debt i'm like then you get it because you are currently <laughs> trying to prevent your children from crushing debt like you had to. So why don't you feel that same way about everybody else's kids? And to feel otherwise is just selfish. But again, let's get down to the brass tacks. I know I'm right, okay? So like, let's, it's, it's, not, it's not an arguable thing here. Could I be convinced otherwise? Absolutely. Like I always leave a little room in my brain. You know, recovery has done that for me. I leave a little room in my brain that there's a potential that I might be wrong. Don't feel like I am at this point. But the defect for me is like, what am I trying to escape by proving this stranger wrong? And I can do it. And I don't take up arguments that I don't think I could win, you know? But like, these are clear cut, like, well, winnable arguments. Smart. 
Yeah. But, but again, my defect is escaping from what's going on in my life right now by tip, 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 tap, tapping away and trying to change someone's mind on fucking Facebook. That and the weekend's halftime performance. I will fight you all day long. That's the new one. I will fucking, I will ostracize I did, I didn't you from my it. community. I didn't uh, watch it, it yet. Doesn't, doesn't matter. It's a it bunch of matter. angry ass honkies. They're like, oh, that wasn't Aerosmith. <laughs> I thought we learned from the Who that no one wants to watch an old white man do the Super Bowl anymore. I thought we they figured sure that right out. Now. They're, they're feeling nostalgic for uh, times past. Now they're like, Bleh? successful Canadian black man who can sing like an angel. What about, hold on, what about J-Lo and Shakira did we not learn about last year? Is that we want beautiful women? Oh, it's too sexy. Although they were too sexy. My kids were watching this. I I know me and my my husband only fuck twice a year missionary style, but that was too sexy. What about, oh my God, remember Maroon 5? That one cracked me up. I was literally, I was watching it and I was like, he's going to take his shirt off. He's going to take his shirt off. He's going (laughs) to... And I was like, I, I, I remember tweeting at the time. I was like, and, and America's moms all slip off the couch at once. Um, oh, my God. Because that Liz is. Liz likes a football. Liz is a football fan. I am. Did you watch I, I the am... ball? Did you watch it? Unfortunately, I did not because it was on at 1 a.m. for me. I know. I, I, I have the disadvantage of the, the time change. You know favorite. what I d- aggressively don't care about is Tom Brady in the Super Bowl ever again. Like, I aggressively, <laughs> like, listen, and this comes from, I know I was, I, when people ask me, what kind of Mexican are you? I say, I was born in the Raider Nation. That is the most accurate description <gasps> of the type of Mexican I am. I was born in the Raider Nation. Oh, are we both Raider funny. fans? Uh, no, uh, this is a Seahawks fan. Uh, Okay. I'm a Seahawks fan, but uh, the reason I'm kind of a Raiders fan by proxy because before <clears throat> before the AFC expanded in 1976 and created mm-hmm. the Seahawks, all of the people in Western Washington were fans of the Raiders, which also hated the Chiefs. So we had that whole thing going against everything in the Super Bowl, and then my family also hates Tom Brady. So I don't think anyone in my family actually watched the Super Bowl. Yeah, but I'm I'm kind of do the Raiders Nation. Uh, you're you're a you're an affiliate of the Raiders. It. You're you're a, you're aligned with the Raiders Nation. And it, here's I gotta tell you, I'm kind of the little bit the same way about the Seahawks because I have a great aunt who I love. She's four foot eleven. I have family in Seattle, and they're the only part of my family that you ever go to visit your family and realize you're from the trash ass part of the family. <laughs> That's what happened. I visited them when I was a kid, and I was like, oh my god, I'm from the trash part. Oh my god, I'm the trash family. <laughs> And like, they totally love me and accept me. But my great aunt, uh, Florence, who's a delight, is not allowed to watch the Seahawks anymore because it makes her blood pressure so high because she will not only will she yell at the TV, she will yell accurate assessments of the calls that were made. She knows this bitch knows like foot she knows football. Ball. She knows football. <laughs> and I'm just like, so I always I stand the Seahawks as well. So yes, I I, I think that we um even though my daddy was so you, you know, old Latino guy, you'd be like, the sea chickens are playing. The chickens, the sea chickens, that's what you used oh, to call of course. them. <laughs> but you know, that's just that's just a sign of love. Um but yeah, so yeah. uh I need the last the word in on this guys. I need to get the last word in on this, guys. Uh, but I will say this, and then I, I'm going to uh, ask the next question. Uh, the most Raider fan shit I've ever heard 
is there's a bodega by my house where I do my laundry, and I always go buy a soda from the guy who's in there, right? And he's a okay. hardcore Raiders fan. And right around the time when the new stadium was being built in Vegas, I go in there just to make small talk, and he's in, like, Raiders fucking basketball shorts and dir- dirty Raiders t-shirt. Like, very friendly guy, but, like, bodega. Yeah. Just think bodega. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I go, hey, bro, like... uh you excited about uh, the new stadium for your boys? Like, just trying to make conversation. Like, I'm, I'm a Bears fan. I have no dog in the fight. But, like, I will make a football conversation. He goes, oh, yeah, bro. It's so cool. Because even if they lose, we could take it out on the hookers. <laughs> and that, that is the most Raider fan shit I have ever heard in my life. And he was dead serious. So, uh, Las Vegas, uh, your 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 working gals are going to be well paid, I guess. I I will say I will say yes. Take it out. When I say take it out, I mean like pay money and have some sex. That's that's what he meant. He meant that in a respectful way. Let's let's. Right, but I want, my... you, I want you to picture in your mind a very big, long-haired, greasy fella. Okay. Oh, I knew. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The kind of thing where if he turned around, you would think that woman has no ass. No, no, no. no. His appearance made me question what he meant by that, which is the only reason I share it. Because if it was if I if I gathered his meaning that he just meant, yeah, we're going to have a lot of sex with some some pros. Fine. But the way he said we could take it out on the hookers, and I'm just like, well, yeah. I watch too much true crime to not question the, I the, was the, trying the intonation of that. Take it out. I was trying to give him a generous assumption, but I, I, I agree. That's a questionable way to say it. I will say that my dude is, uh, he's super white, he's super rich, he's from San Francisco, and he loves the 49ers. And because he's wrong. And exactly. Thank you. Ew. Right. Uh, And so he'll say negative things about the Raiders. And I will say, I don't appreciate your racism or classism right now. And it makes him so uncomfortable. It's the best. I'm like, if you don't like, if you don't stand the Raiders, even just a little bit, like, no, you're racist. I remember when I I said I was going to get the last word in y'all and that didn't happen. I'm sorry. So, Liz, um, the next question, because, I mean, I forgive Anna for just being exactly who she is at any given moment. It's hard sometimes, it's but I do it. Very, I can't be tamed. Uh, Liz, how do you experience forgiveness, whether it's for other people or forgiving yourself? How do you experience forgiveness? Um, I have a super, even in sobriety, I have a super hard time forgiving myself. Yep. And I think it's because I don't necessarily see my part in it mm-hmm. all the time. Which goes back to the fourth step of like, how did I involve myself in this? <laughs> like, where yeah. did I take part? You yeah. Know? Um, but it was a lot of like, I need to be, I need to not be so hard on myself. Sure. Like, because a lot of these things, you know, like I mentioned earlier, they only affect one person and that's me. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm kind of harboring this and, you know, something internally that I'm really distraught over or something. But of course, everyone else is milling around. (laughs) Like, there's just, there would be no reason for them to know what I'm experiencing. But it's not until that I actually say something about it or acknowledge it, then I can actually properly address it in a healthy way, Mm -hmm. I think. Or, like, there are just times where I'm unaware that I'm beating up on myself or that I'm not 
mm, I guess I'm not completely aware of how something could improve mm -hmm. that I'm kind of stuck on. Sure. Something like that. Yeah. I always envisioned I, the, the scene in Liar Liar where he's trying to get out of court by beating the shit out of himself in the bathroom. <laughs> and then that one nerd walks in. He's like, what are you doing? And Jim Carrey's like, I'm kicking my own ass. Do you mind? And that's me. That's, that is me. That is, that I, is I you. That. I, anybody I sponsor, I tell them that example. I'm like, that is, if you want to look at yourself and how silly that you can be beating yourself up, that is, that, that is alcoholism. That scene is alcoholism. Yeah. And I, I dare any cinematographer to beat that scene because I know that wasn't its intention, but I've used that for years to really take myself down a notch when, I, when I, I'm giving old Dave a hard time. We need to put that on our social media. That is so funny. You are so right. I can't forgive myself. I'm beating myself up. Do you mind? <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, Doing important stuff here with myself. Am I not my, learning anything from it? My first sponsor <laughs> used to say, um, stop beating up on my friend Anna. I love her and she doesn't deserve it. And I'd be like, ow. Ew. Why do you have to, why do you have to abuse me like that? How dare you? Uh, but yeah, no, the, that's the thing about the the experience of forgiveness is truly forgiving oneself and then forgiving mm -hmm. who you are in that moment, forgiving who the person was who caused the harm in that moment. But you can't yeah. do either. Because for me, this addict takes responsibility for everything, right? So it's like, well, if I got hurt, I should have been able to protect myself. And it's like, oh, yeah, Mish, that's not how being a human is. Being a human is full contact, whether it's with your heart or with your body. You know, it's or sometimes For most, sure. both usually put that on heart, a candle body. and sell it on Etsy. Being Thank you. <laughs> being a human is full contact. Heart, body, finances, the whole thing. Um, I'm a meme. Uh, very exciting. Um, what is the weirdest apology you've either or amends you've either gotten or given in your life? I'm not sure I've ever received one. Girl, it's weird. But I've gotten real amends recently, like real sit down, it? 12 step ass amends. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, I was doing this to other people. This is awkward. Yeah. <laughs> <It's so> awkward. <laughs> I think I definitely wrote a couple of emails and a couple of Facebook messenger messages. Me too. Just to like, not like you know, lengthy diatribe, Sure. you know, amends by any point, but just to like, hey, I'm going to acknowledge that like, I was not my best person then and I'm trying to work on that now yeah. and how I treated you, you didn't deserve that because you're a person just like me and I'm sorry I made you endure that and I don't know what you want to do with this information, but just so you know, you can have that now. And yeah. I think I did that to a couple former employers, like my last employer before I went to rehab, for sure. Because <laughs> I got them to let me to work from home so I could drink more. Horrible mistake. Uh, and, then they <laughs> and then they trusted me, which, you know, I mean, that's not all my fault. But um, it, was, it was just interesting because I wanted to... I wanted to square it away with them just so that they knew that I knew. Not so that... I could go into the future and like apply for jobs and not have anything to worry about. That wasn't really 
that's not what I was getting out of it. It was mostly just I needed them to understand that I am now coming around to this. So I know that they might have felt one way and I'm now coming around to that and I can recognize that now and be cognizant of it in my full person that I sure. am. Yeah. Um, I don't think I had a really, I don't think I ever really had a difficult one. And I think I maybe made about seven or eight. Okay. But I think there were a couple that I was in, uh, kind of entertained by doing amends with, but then it just didn't, it's not like the timing wasn't right, but it just didn't make sense to like make amends with an institution <laughs> at sure. the time of like, um, and kind of what that meant for me that I had to kind of come to it on my own terms, which is something I'm still dealing with basically. Like, um, it was just like some medical stuff that happened like 10 years ago and I had never really forgiven the institution for like the way that they had like kind of dealt with me with it. Yeah. Um, which was way in the past at the time, and it still is, but there's just times where I think that there are still some kind of unfounded amends that could be researched or looked at in some way at some point in the future. Um, but as of now, it just, just with the way, not like just to be like the way the world is, you know, but um, the way things are right now, I don't, I'm not sure it would make sense, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, amends are, amends are always, it's always tricky. Living amends is often that, like, I had, I was a shoplifter. I was like a, <laughs> uh-huh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> I stopped drinking before I stopped shoplifting. <laughs> oh, good. Um, and um, I made for a very long time living amends by donating uh, money to institutions, Um and oh cool yeah so i i get that it's the immense process is always like well where are we at now like where are we at yeah now so where do we go from it? here <laughs> yeah like yeah. Well, i guess we got to do this you know and um <laughs> and but it is it is powerful and it is necessary you know yeah um, especially for living with your day-to-day right Oh, yeah. If it's going to be impacting every single day, then that's hard to ignore. And that's going to make it harder to not do that (laughs) the longer that goes on. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, what what is your um, day-to-day keeps Liz tethered to the world's practice? Um, I think... I think I have maybe a couple of, I'm not going to say rituals because it's not like I separate time for them specifically. Um, But usually at the end of the day, I take daily inventory and I'm I'm not writing it out. You know, I'm not, it's mostly just myself, but um, I'll usually ask myself what I did right today. Mm Mm-hmm. And that can be something as menial as like returning a text message or like, oh, I replied to that email on time. It doesn't have to be this big grandiose. I like, brush my teeth. You know, I wash my hair. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I take care of me is a spiritual yeah. practice. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. I showered because I wanted to, not just because I should, you know, yeah. shit, like, <laughs> not just, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we haven't seen anybody in how many days? Well, whatever. Yeah. You know? 
And I think at the end of the day, because that was kind of more, I got in the habit of doing that through my 10th step of like taking inventory every day of like, like, let's really like take a recap of this and see like what could have gone better or like, oh, I wish I should have done that. But knowing that I'm going to be doing this thing tomorrow also at the end of the day, like doesn't mean that there was some failure on my part or something like that. There was just, it was room to improve. Um, And I think I usually try to at least reach out to someone I know well, like once a day, like whether or not that's my parents or like a close friend or my friends back home or, you know, someone who else who lives in Brno, um, just to kind of just make contact to be like, hi, I'm here, you know, to, kind of strengthen that connection somewhat. Um, And knowing that hopefully by doing that, I'll have a continuing, you know, friendship or relation with that person as time goes on, just to have something to build off of. I love it. I love it. It's great. (laughs) It's amazing. Yeah. So would you say, uh, what would you say your relationship with like a higher power is if you have one? Like, do you have any connection to something bigger? Uh, what's that look like for you today? Um, I don't have anything, one thing specifically, but I am not afraid to admit that the universe is much bigger than I am. And I am not the center of attention. <laughs> um, or like... You know, I'm not sucking everything in around Mm me. Um, I think when I did, when I was working the program, which was about like the first 18 months or so that I was sober, um, I tried to have a concept of a higher power. And my, uh, my sponsor at the time was telling me like, well, just make sure it's something bigger than you, you know, like something that can take the you and like your ego, like out of stuff. And Mm -hmm. that made a lot of sense to me. Like I've never been above being like, no, I'm the biggest thing. <laughs> like, saying that just sounds even ridiculous, you know, but the whole point is just to separate, you know, the self and whatnot um, from ego. So I don't, I don't have anything like that today, but I definitely did in the beginning when I was starting step work. Yeah. 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 I get it. I get it. Yeah. It's, it changes over time. I've had, um, when I first got clean, I had sort of like a big God, you know, what I th- thought checked all the boxes that everybody wanted. And then, uh-huh. um, then I, ha- I went through a phase of the atheism, basically, like, there is no God, this is, uh-huh. you know, and then I had some life experiences that led me to this um, much more agnostic. I don't know what it is. Uh-huh. I just know what it is. And I'm okay with that because I don't mind uncertainty today. Uh, the steps yeah. have given me the gift of being comfortable with uncertainty and free fall. Uh-huh. And, and I, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. You know, I can't even find certainty in my own body or in my own brain. Why would I expect my higher power or an institution or anybody in my life to provide certainty. That's crazy. You know, like that, that, so just being okay with like, I don't know what you are, but you is, and that's fine. You know? And I, and the other thing I know is that my higher power has a tremendous sense of humor. (laughs) That's all I know is my higher power (laughs) is very funny. Yeah, (laughs) Loves a joke. Uh, Loves an irony. Loves, you know, like loves, you know, 
just being uh being a goof and and i enjoy that so yeah 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 i think for me at the end of the day too like i i don't particularly mm, i will say i am an atheist but i'm not militant about it yeah (laughs) i mean atheism almost comes with the same stank as like uh religion you know what i mean it's like yeah I'm an atheist, exactly like any kind of fundamental means, yeah yeah i, I imagine <laughs> a guy who's got like squ- like more square glasses than this and he listens to like a lot of massive attack and um oh my god and radiohead <laughs> and you know he's got an ironic t-shirt on and um you know, he's got like that one haircut he's had since '02, and um, I saw Massive he, Attack live once. So uh, shut suck the it. fuck up! I saw Portishead live <laughs> once, and I almost I cried like I was seeing the Beatles. I would shut the <laughs> shut the fuck up. You saw Massive Attack anyway. Um, but you know the guy. You know the guy. The KCRW yep. morning becomes eclectic guy. Like the get like yeah. like yeah. You know the the guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> everyone's got a guy yeah. and, he, and he says and he says a lot of like oh well actually this is why this and you're like shut up you know like the kind yeah. of guy who will tell you how feminism works you know what i mean uh-huh. and like oh yeah you know what i'm talking about that's what i imagine yeah but so it is a, but question. it is it doesn't work Blah. Blah. <laughs> cis white pig power <laughs> Oh my God! Which <laughs> podcast is this? I was gonna, I was gonna name names, and then I was like, mm, no. Mama's gonna need to work. Uh, but, uh, dude, okay. So we've reached the last question. I'm very excited. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Are you ready for this last question? Yeah. Ah! Excited. What's one thing you would tell somebody just like you in the world? And <laughs> it's mostly it's something I say to other people and my cat um, that <laughs> that occasionally there's something that I like really want to get involved in emotionally, mm-hmm. but I need to just be like, you know what? you're fine. (laughs) Yeah. And you're fine. Everything's going to be fine. Just you're fine. And it was kind of like, poor example, uh, the siege storming the Capitol. You guys are fine. (laughs) Like (laughs) you're fine. (laughs) Just, you're going to be, it's going to be okay. Like you're going to be all right. And I think I lose sight of that with myself sometimes, especially when I start to spiral in terms of anxiety where it started off at one thing and now it's like six other things that are causing me all of the same like rumination pattern, which is something I'm pretty bad with of just stuck on something for so long and I can't detach from it. Yeah. Um, But I think like if I, if I met someone that was like me, it would probably just be like, look, like you know, every, everything is a shit show right now, but like, it's okay. You're fine. Like, yeah. you're okay. Like you're in a place, like you exist now, you're capable of forming thought, like you have that to go on, like, you're fine. Fine. You know, and it's, yeah. And it's the same thing with Gossamer. Like when he's like crying at, for me at food for four in the morning and I'm like, Hey, stuff in your bowl. You're fine. You're fine. You're okay. You're okay. <laughs> you're okay. <laughs> yes. And, it's, and I, I, 
it's something I joke about by saying to other people a lot, but I, I do forget that I, that can also apply to me. Yeah. A lot of the time. Oh, yeah. I love it. Yeah. I like, I like, a, <laughs> I I like a good look at the history books and telling myself I've never not been taken care of. They, I always tell people that I always tell me that. I'm like, take, I'm like, take, do you have any evidence in your life thus far that you have ever gone without? And they're like, yeah, but, and I got, ah, do you have any evidence? I want you to try this in the court of Judge Judy. Do you have any evidence? And then they're like, yeah, well, here's my evidence. And I'll go baloney. You were fine. And like, circumstantial at best. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, anyway, um, we did that's my leg. We, we podcast across the oceans with we Liz. Did it. We handled okay. it. Yay. Liz, you are a goddamn delight, and I'm so glad we got to get to know each other a little better here on the podcast. Where can people find you, and uh, you know, follow what you're doing? Um, well, first of all, thanks you guys for having me. This has been really awesome. I there I know that there's some, you know, sobriety related podcasts out there, but you guys do a really good job of like sussing out like how people are thinking and like how it affects their day to day lives and where they came from. So that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, so thank you again for having me on. Um, my Instagram handle and my Twitter handle are what's new Donahue. It's pretty it's catchy. It's easy to remember. Can't forget it. Um, what's new Donahue. What's new Donahue. Oh. <laughs> And and if anyone's interested in expatriating or wants to know about life with type 1 diabetes or sobriety or the healthcare system here or doing anything like that, um, my... (laughs) Mom, sorry, my sponsor, I'm supposed to take my sponsor to the oncologist. So, um, uh, no, uh, Kathy, uh, two minutes and I will put shoes on. Okay. Anyway. Okay. Um, anyway, I have a, like a website slash blog that's uh, LizChecksOut.com, but it's check like C Z E. I love C-Z-E-H. it. Love so, a good pun. Yeah. That's that's a Liz Donahue. I love it. I Anna, love where it. can people that's find Liz- you? <laughs> you can find me at Anna Fiesfone on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find me at AnnaValenzuela.com, and you can uh, find this podcast at 12QPod uh, on all the platforms. And uh, Dave, where can people find you? You can find me at Yates Comedy on all platforms. You can buy hot sauce from me, hahahotsauce.com. And don't forget to get your tickets. February 13th, we're doing a live Zoom show with Jackie Cation and Gary Peterson, who are past guests of the podcast. So Bonfire Live, check out our live show February 13th. Get tickets. And how we end this podcast uh, every time is, Liz, if no one's told you this today, we love you. Oh, I love you guys, too. Thank yeah. you for having and me. Anna, I'm going to tell you this. I know you don't like to hear it from me, but I love you. I love you, Dave! Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, and everybody listening right now uh, for listening, thank you so much. And uh, if no one's told you listening today, we love you. So thanks for listening, guys. Okay, bye, guys. Love you, bye. Bye.